0: Hello, my name is Caleb Suko, and this is the Now is the Time podcast, and I have with me as a guest today one of our co-workers. Her name is Holly Friesen, and brought her along for an interview today on the podcast to talk with her a little bit about how God has called her to missions and kind of what, what her story is of of how God has called her and I think you'll find it interesting uh, but also want to talk with her a little bit about her work in uh, in Ukraine uh, with us so welcome Holly thank you glad to have you here and where are you right now
1: I'm right now in Hot Springs South Dakota
0: okay and you're yeah and you're you have family there right
1: yes that's where my parents are living
0: okay and you have been in Ukraine how long? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, that's right. I remember because we've been in Ukraine since 2007. So you came along just about, just well, a little over two years after after mm-hmm. we got there, I think, because you came in January of... 2010. 2010, right. January of 2010. So I remember that. It was, it was cold when you got there, I think, right?
1: Yes, it was. <laughs> in fact, I was a couple of days late because of a snowstorm, so...
0: <laughs> okay, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, because you flew through Poland through uh, Warsaw, yes. right?
1: Yeah, I was delayed one day in the States because of snow in the States and then another day in Poland because of snow in Poland. So <laughs> it was quite the trip.
0: Right, because you were coming from, a, from you, had, you went through Denver, didn't you? Yes. And you're from the States. So yeah, so you had a kind of an interesting... Um, Entry there to, to Ukraine with the snow. Yes. Although I always tell people when when we talk about uh, Odessa, I say hey, it's not as cold as you think, because because we're, yeah. we're actually farther south. Well, we're further south in Odessa than than where we live here in, in mm-hmm. Washington, where mm-hmm. where I am right now, my parents' house in, in Washington. So so uh, you're on um, you're on furlough. You're visiting your churches. How how much lo- longer will you be on furlough?
1: Uh, until August of next year. So uh, I just got back in September, and it's a year furlough this time. So
0: Okay. So I wanted to just start and ask you a little bit about uh, how God had called you to missions. And you know that—actually, um, I just finished writing this book about calling to missions. And so to me, it's just always interesting to hear those stories of how God has called people. And I mm-hmm. think it's helpful for other people who may be considering missions to— to hear those stories. So um, Mm -hmm. maybe share with us a little bit about your background and and how God began to call you into missions.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up in a pastor's home, and my dad in our church was always very missions minded, so we had lots of missionaries come through our church and through our home, and I always found it very fascinating and enjoyed listening to their reports and always had kind of a interest in missions, but it wasn't until I was in junior high one summer at camp, we had missionaries that were speaking, and I really felt the Lord burdening me to be willing to go if that's what He would have for me. And so I, uh, that week at camp, committed myself to...
0: So to h- how work. old were you at that time?
1: I believe I was 13 at the time.
0: That's, that's interesting, because that's similar. Christina had an experience when she was about 13 at a Word of Life camp in Ukraine, where mm-hmm. she... Felt that God was calling her to missions.
1: Neat. Yeah. And then the Lord just continued to grow that burden. Um, And when I was 17, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip with uh, New Tribes Mission to Papua New Guinea. Okay. And I was involved with a team that was helping to finish up an airstrip in the Jungle area where some missionaries were just um, starting their work, and so we were working. They were still working on learning the language and culture of the people they were working with, and uh, so we and those people were working alongside us to help clear this airstrip. And so we couldn't communicate with them right. uh, without an interpreter. But um, what we could uh, communicate, uh, we worked alongside them, so um, we learned how to somewhat communicate with them. But it was. For the first time in my life, I came face to face with people who didn't have a Bible in their language, who had n- never heard mm. of Jesus Christ, and they became real, real people to me. And right. so the Lord really used that to confirm that burden that I wanted—God had given me so much, and I wanted to be willing to go wherever uh, He needed me to go to make sure that other people had the chance to hear the gospel like I had. So when
0: was the— Were you still in uh, high school when you went on that trip to Papua New Guinea?
1: Yeah. That was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. Okay. Um, We were there for about six weeks.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, So then after I graduated from high school, I went on uh, with the goal of missions to get my nursing degree. Um, And worked for a few years as a nurse after I graduated, got another year of just Bible school and then, um, as I was looking for different opportunities, mission boards and deciding what I was going to do, opportunity short term, ended up being two years, but in Lima, Peru with so
0: a, can, can, can you back up just a, a sentence uh-huh? or two? It just, I don't know. kind of got cut off there just a little sure. bit. Uh huh.
1: So, um, I did a two year short term with ABWE in Lima, Peru uh, I was involved with a pro-life ministry there, and, as well as doing some mobile medical clinics, but mainly with the pro-life ministry. And, and they had just started giving medical care at their center and not just counseling. And so my main, main job was to help them organize the, the medical aspect of their center. And the Lord really used those two years to... Um, give me a burden for pro-life ministry as a tool for evangelism and discipleship. Um, I would have said before that that I was definitely pro-life, but had never really considered it as something that um, I would use in my ministry as mm-hmm. a tool for evangelism and discipleship, but saw how effective it could be. And uh, the Lord really burdened me, my heart for that.
0: So let, let me also um, ask you...
1: when I finished... This-
0: so. Let me also ask you along those lines. When you think about your trip to Papua New Guinea and then your time in mm-hmm. um, in Peru, were there any uh, mm-hmm. people that you know specifically that you I don't know talked with or that that influenced you further along the road towards missions?
1: hmm. Um. Definitely, when I was in Papua New Guinea, the missionaries that I worked with, um, they encouraged me in my desire to pursue medicine as well as missions. Uh, I do remember that in my visits with them. And, and as I said, just the people that we worked with in Papua New Guinea, um, the nationals there, them just becoming real people to me. They couldn't say anything to me, but, mm-hmm. um, just seeing their need in Peru. Definitely. I, um, worked with Evelyn Stone, an ABW missionary, and uh, she really influenced as well my passion for pro-life ministry and uh, seeing how effective it could be in a tool for evangelism. Also, as I was looking at mission boards, even before I went, there were some college friends of my parents who are missionaries in Japan, um, actually not with ABW with another mission, but um, they had visited our home a number of times and were good friends of my parents. So I had... Corresponded with them about looking for a mission board and how to know where God might want you to go. And they were very influential and in just um, encouraging me with things to look for a mission board and seeing um, that, um, discerning God's will in that. So I really appreciated them as well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So then also, I think, you know, what, what is interesting is that you had experience in Peru. Um, And then, you know, before that in Papua New Guinea. So those are drastically different countries. Uh, Was there anything (laughs) that that made you really think of going to Peru after Papua New Guinea? Like you didn't want to go back to Papua New Guinea? Or what was it that, that made you pursue that?
1: Yeah, I, when I was getting ready to go into, like finally make that step into choosing a mission board and going into missions, I really felt at that point that, um, even though I really had a burden for the, the unreached tribes that uh, going that route wasn't exactly where I felt the Lord leading me at that moment. Um, And when I was looking, it really boiled down to looking at different mission boards and really feeling like ABW was a good fit for me Mm -hmm. um, in philosophy and then looking at where they could use someone with my nursing skills. And, um, and that's how, Peru popped up because I had worked as a labor and delivery nurse and in postpartum, enjoyed working with the pregnant women and saw that they needed someone at a crisis pregnancy center, so it seemed like a good fit. So that's kind of how I ended up in Peru.
0: Right. Okay, interesting. Um, and then and tell me a little bit more, too, about the ministry in Peru. So you already shared it was a crisis mm-hmm. pregnancy type of a center, but how, how did that actually work, and how did that— how did that help uh, as far as the churches there and 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 sharing the gospel Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, the center was seven or eight years old I think when I got there and um, was being had been started to be missionary but uh, the majority of the volunteers there were a few other missionaries but most of them were just from local churches uh, local Peruvians and they came from a number of different churches and um, were involved in different aspects of the center providing counseling or working in reception or helping with prenatal classes and they also have um, physicians or midwives that would help uh, had started helping giving medical care and so they uh, would meet with their with the clients whether it was a first-time visit and they were considering abortion or whether they were then coming for additional support they had volunteers who were uh, meeting with clients and counseling them and they had humanitarian aid for them, clothing and um, other things that they would help um, provide for the pregnant moms. And then the the medical care they had started providing, prenatal care had a sonogram um, ultrasound machine and they would do um, free ultrasounds and uh, prenatal care. While we were there, we started prenatal classes as well, um, helping the women prepare for delivery um, and in that, we saw a number of women that would uh, accept Christ as their Savior. Uh, they came in with a crisis pregnancy, and uh, by the time they delivered, many of them had accepted Christ as their Savior and were continuing to be discipled by the center yeah, volunteers. Right. Um, another thing that really Uh, inspired me for that kind of ministry was Mm -hmm. watching the spiritual growth of the volunteers Mm. uh, women who maybe before that had taught some sunday school maybe sang in the church choir but now they were actively working with these uh unbelievers or new believers and discipling them and, and watching them grow in their confidence in sharing their faith and discipling uh so that uh was another aspect of the ministry that really excited me, uh, being able to help equip believers from a number of churches and see them become more effective.
0: So basically those those two years that you were there really helped you to... To see how that ministry could be effective and, and get you excited about that kind of ministry I, I imagine
1: yes um, helped me to see how effective of a tool it could be for evangelism and discipleship not just of clients but mm-hmm. also of your volunteers
0: now when you when you originally did that to you know before or as you were getting ready to go on those two years were you at that time considering giving your life to full-time missions or were you still kind of on the fence on it
1: I was planning to go into full-time missions. Uh, one of the main reasons I decided to do a short term was because I wanted to make sure that the mission board was a good fit for me, mm, okay. and so decided to to do a short term before I jumped in for uh, for uh, long term commitment. But definitely, my goal was long term
0: missions. And so th- that that's interesting. Um, it just I mean, when I'm thinking about our our story, you know, we we had a long yeah. relationship with ABWE from early 90s at least when i was going over to ukraine so mm-hmm. we always had that connection but uh, i guess i never thought about that of, of doing you know a two-year kind of a what, what do you call that it's not short term What what is that called
1: well it's as long as abw will let you go and not become a full-time right right
0: <laughs> so, but kind of um, kind of like a testing I, period a, a hundred <laughs> a, yeah, yeah to to see yeah. how, how things go yeah
1: yeah, and when I first started pursuing that, I was open to doing anything from six months to two years. It just ended up that the needs of the field that I chose—they um, needed someone to commit to the two years—and so um, I didn't necessarily go into it thinking I'm going to do a two-year short term and then I'll decide. Um, you know, well, and I mean honestly, enough,
0: but- like if you compare that with you know what's usually considered short term, which is. Usually, anything from a week to to maybe a month or six weeks maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if you have been in a place for two years, y- you pretty much have seen how things work. You know, the romance has worn yeah. off. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the there's opportunity for maybe. Relationship problems with other missionaries or, or friction there, stress. Um, so, I think that there's there's very little that that could be hid from you for that long. I guess I could say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that says yeah, a lot that re- you chose to go with ABW after <laughs> after those two years. That's that that says yeah. that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I really did love Peru and the missionaries I worked with, and uh, initially, really thought that I would end up back in Peru full-time,
0: really? Okay. Um,
1: but I, I felt like the ministry in Lima, the capital where I was, um, had enough missionaries involved and enough uh, Peruvian involvement that they really didn't need another full-time missionary that was just committed to that pro-life ministry, mm-hmm. and so I started looking at other places in Peru that maybe I could help start a center, and it seemed like the timing just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Lord kind of closed those doors and then I kind of broadened my search to South America thinking I would stay with the South American team and help and again it just seemed like the timing wasn't quite right and the Lord was closing doors at that point mm-hmm. and during that time was when I got to know Dr. Miriam who was working in Ukraine
0: So when, and, and when you said timing wasn't quite right that just it, it was it just kind of a, a number of different factors that, that things just weren't yeah, working out quite like maybe as yeah, easy either, as you like, thought?
1: Yeah, like the missionary team there was interested in pro life ministry but weren't quite ready to jump into it right then, or there were changes on the team so that they, uh, you know, families leaving coming or going, so it wasn't the greatest time to think about um, starting a brand new type of ministry, um, or there just weren't the right partners on the ground or so it, it was a variety of factors So different kind of um,
0: logistical factors as well as personnel factors yeah, i would imagine yeah
1: yeah yeah.
0: okay so 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 then then what made you kind of transition to start thinking about ukraine
1: um it was uh meeting with Miriam. actually at first it was an email and it was through a teammate uh, abw missionary on the uh on our team that was a missionary in Hungary gotten to know actually before I even went to Peru. And so she had kept in touch with me and she knew that I was praying about where God would have me go. And she asked me if I knew what Dr. Miriam was doing in Ukraine. And I said, well, I knew there was a medical ministry there, but I don't know much about it. And so she said, well, you should talk to her. So I emailed Miriam. And when she um, explained to me what she was doing with the medical ministry, uh, I was really excited about that her philosophy of medical ministry. And then she also shared about the huge problem of abortion in Ukraine and the fact that she'd been praying for years uh, about uh, being able to start a pro-life ministry, but there just hadn't been the the personnel or, 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 you know, um, and so it, it just seemed initially I thought, um, well, this is a good contact to have. Uh, if we do more medical ministry in South America, you know, she could help us develop our philosophy. I really initially didn't think I'd end up in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed like as the Lord kind of was uh, directing me away from all the other places I was pursuing in South America, I couldn't get Ukraine out of my mind. Mm. And um, I even uh, went to candidate class to join ABW not knowing exactly where I was going to go. And decided, well, I'll talk with the director of Central and Eastern Europe, which at the time was Dwayne Early, just so that I can kind of right. like cross that one off my list. Um, but it did the opposite. <laughs> I came away from that thinking maybe I really should consider going to Ukraine. Um, so,
0: so it kind of came came to you uh, as a little bit of a surprise, then I guess.
1: For sure, yeah. Initially, it was kind of like God you couldn't possibly be wanting me to move to a completely different culture and language. And, and after I've put two years into ministry in South America. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's, I mean, I, I think about that too. Sometimes like, well, you know, when you invest into a certain language and you kind of, you don't want to give uh-huh. that up, you know, you think, well, I'm already invested in it, but yeah, but yeah. When, when God directs you to a different place, you gotta, you have to be open to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so then, um, so, so you've been there since 2010 in Ukraine. Of course, you know we've we've been there with you and and seen the the women's center be developed mm-hmm. and and just amazing work that you've been able to do with training of the volunteers. Christina has been helping with some of the translation pro- process of some mm-hmm. of the material you use. But tell us, uh, you shared a little bit about the ministry in Peru. So I imagine mm-hmm. it's somewhat looking like that. But may, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about the ministry there.
1: Sure. We, um, well, when I got there, I also didn't think that the pro life ministry would develop quite so quickly, but it was, we could definitely see how the Lord had been preparing um, the soil uh, because within a few months of arriving in Ukraine, I ran into a missionary with another agency and then a number of Ukrainians that had been praying about uh, starting a pro life ministry. So the Lord very quickly brought a group of people together who also wanted to see something started. And mm-hmm. um, in, December of 2011, we did our first um, Bible study for women for post abortion healing. As we talked about how we wanted to start our ministry, we really felt the Lord burdening our hearts to minister to women who had already had abortions. In during Soviet days, they say the average woman had seven abortions. And it's really unusual to find an older woman who wasn't like born and raised in the church who hasn't had at least one abortion. So a lot of the even women who wanted to help us start this pro-life ministry had had abortions themselves. So we felt like, to make sure we were ministering to them. I, and, I remember
0: um, I remember hearing that figure too and it's just it's just so hard to believe. Um, now of course things have changed yeah. somewhat since then but but how how would that compare if, at all to the abortion rate in the United States?
1: Um United? I don't know about during the Soviet days, but I know currently there's still um, about twenty five percent of the pregnancies and an abortion in Ukraine. And about 19% in America in an abortion. So it's still a pretty high percentage right. in the States, but um, even higher still in Ukraine, even though the abortion rates actually have gone down um, since 2001. They've started to decrease mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in Ukraine, mostly due to the availability of contraception. Um, mm-hmm. I think, think I see in talking to patients and clients at our center, there's not so much a change in mentality. Uh, boards abortion. It's just that they've come up with other ways to um, prevent a pregnancy, right. whereas before they just used it as their only form of birth control. Right, right. So, um, but but yeah. So we started off with ministry to women post abortion, and saw so God really blessed that. We use a Bible study called "Forgiven and Set Free." Uh, they usually go through it, uh, meeting once a week for ten weeks, and mm-hmm. we've seen God really uh, do some. Things in women's life. And so
0: now, when um, you began doing those Bible studies, that was was that mainly with with women from the church, from churches. I mean, in Odessa. Yes, area?
1: they were in the, in the beginning. They were all women from the church churches, all believers. Um, was only in 2016 that we had our first unbelievers in those groups. Okay. Um, we had uh, some ladies who had started attending. Uh, the refugee outreach from Hope for People Church, who um, interested in that setting. Uh, right.
0: Had
1: hold, hold, on, hold
0: on just a second. So just hold, on, hold on yeah. a second. <laughs> hey, Nicholas. Nicholas. Hey, Nicholas. I'm recording something. Can you be quiet, please? What? Can you be quiet because I'm recording something, okay? <laughs> Sorry about that. They, they just came in the house. They didn't know. So sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So you were talking about I, the the women that you got that were yeah. from outside the church.
1: Mm-hmm. So it was last year that in 2006 we had the first uh, unbelievers that were part of a group. Um, they had been attending an outreach uh, from Hope for People Church that was uh, to the refugees. They were from Eastern Ukraine, which which is our church, right? Interest,
0: <laughs> right. That's the church Christine and I go to, right? Yeah. <laughs> And and we didn't yeah. mention this, but we are in the same city, but, but you are in a different church. You're in in yes. Skinia yes. or Tabernacle Church downtown.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so last year we had some um, ladies who had been attending church services but were not yet believers that went through the Bible study, and by the end of the study, two of them uh, accepted Christ as their Savior. So oh. that was exciting to see that step in the uh post-abortion healing ministry where they've actually been able to use it as an evangelistic tool as well. And they'd like to develop that more.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that when, when I saw that, you know, you guys are starting to do the um, the Bible study for, for the women that have gone through abortions and, and also doing that with, with believers. I think that's just a, a really amazing tool for churches because my in my experience with church leaders, the, there's very few that even know how to deal with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think partly that was because during the Soviet times it wasn't dealt with. I mean, it was sort of like if you had an abortion, you didn't talk about it, and nobody knew about it, and that was it. Right. And so, um, right, so that's a I think a needed and and great tool for the churches.
1: Yeah, and so many of the women, even though they know they're saved and they've been forgiven, they still carry, carry guilt and realize how much abortion has affected other areas of their life and other relationships. And mm-hmm. um, and so the study really helps them to fully understand God's forgiveness for them. There's a whole chapter on the character of God, so they really look at who God is and Christ's work on the cross and how it's sufficient for, for any sin. And uh, we've seen a number of them give testimony to finally being free from that feeling of guilt and from the depression and other things that were a result of that, even though they had been believers sometimes for many years. So
0: right, so and then now, so, but tell a little bit more about the work that the center is doing now. You guys have a, a facility that you're renting, and you're actively using that. How does that center work? Uh
1: huh. So in 2014, then we were able to open the women's center, which is a center where we our goal is to help women with uh, crisis pregnancies. Uh, We want to help them choose life for their babies, but also our main goal, of course, is evangelism. Um, And so we are always seeking to develop relationships with them so that we can uh, share the gospel with them as well. We have, um, we're not a medical center. Uh, We don't, we're not licensed to give medical care, but we provide uh, counseling and humanitarian aid. We have clothing and food products and diapers that they're able to earn through us study program so we also have classes they're enrolled in uh, classes one-on-one with a counselor for parenting, and so we have a marriage class that we offer as well and then our goal is to get them into a bible study so uh, we've had a number of women who completed the parenting course and had had enough conversations with their counselor about spiritual things that they were open to doing a bible study and they've done uh the story of hope bible study um and we have three that we know for sure completed that study mm-hmm. and prayed to accept Christ. And we currently mm-hmm. have four or five others who are unbelievers who are studying the story. Well, that's,
0: that's encouraging to me because I know we've done, I think twice we've done some training with the with the volunteers mm-hmm. at the Center with you know on the mm-hmm. story of hope and how to share the gospel with those things. So that's really encouraging.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually have one gal right now who's doing the story of hope with us, who's a nominal Muslim. Um, she's mm. doesn't even know a whole lot about her own religion, but claims to be Muslim because she was born in a, a culturally Muslim country. Right. But, and I don't think she's super interested in spiritual things at this point, but she um, completed our other courses and wanted to continue to receive humanitarian aid. So she got to do the Bible studies. So we're praying that God's word will will, um, work in her heart.
0: Um, and so, and 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 tell me, tell me about a little bit what, what the plans are. Um, I know you guys are in a rented facility and you're thinking of uh, buying mm -hmm. a facility that would be, uh, a permanent area center that you could use. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we've been renting since we opened and, uh, we are, beginning to feel a bit cramped in the facility that Uh we're renting. It's still adequate for our needs, but in order to continue to grow and expand the ministry, we definitely are going to need more space. And then um, we also have the issue of the instability of renting. In fact, our landlords um, have told us that they don't want to renew our contract in April when it'll be up because they Mm. want to sell the building. So we're still hoping that maybe they'll uh, decide to give us at least one more year, but uh, there is the chance that we would even have to move to another rented facility Mm -hmm. within the next months. So um, we are praying for the finances to purchase our own place uh, so we could have that stability that we'd have enough room for the expansion of the mystery and Um, For a place, we're a little bit off the beaten path where we are now, so we're also praying that maybe we could have a place closer to public transportation uh, where it'd be easier for our clients to find us as well. Um, Okay. So we also uh, do um, group classes. We have um, prenatal classes that we Mm -hmm. do, and we open that to anyone in the community. So that gives us a chance to connect with uh, the pregnant moms even if it's a wanted pregnancy uh, so they know about our center and um, and it's given us the opportunity to build some relationships with others in our community even if they're not facing a crisis so and we also we've had a few classes that were big enough that our conference room barely held everyone so that's oh, wow. another um, need for um, as we, Continue to grow.
0: Well, I know, I know there. we we've done the, those trainings in, in that room too. I think that's the room you're talking about. Yeah. So it's not a real yeah. big room, but I think no. I don't know that they got fifteen <laughs> and maybe twenty in there maximum, I suppose. Yeah,
1: and with the prenatal class, the most we had was um, twelve. But we try to put them around the table and we um, right. have it interactive, so we it it gets a little cramped. Um, when we've done trainings for our volunteers in there, we've mm. gotten as many as. 15 in for a training, Um, but it gets, it's pretty tight and, and stuffy in there when we get that many people in. So we definitely could use a bigger conference room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're definitely excited um, for, for this ministry and glad to be able to work with you there in, in Odessa. And I even, I know that even Noel enjoys coming to babysit for those kids during, when you have, uh, when you have the clients there for their classes. Um,
1: yeah, we have a once a month mom's club where we, it's another group class that we do where the moms, the first year of their baby's life can come back uh, once a month and we have a topic of interest to them and a time of, of just a tea time where they can talk and share. Sometimes we'll have a craft for them and we provide childcare during that. So that's when And that's, Noelle and that's usually our daughter,
0: Noel, <laughs> at least part of it, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. Yeah. We and really I, appreciate
0: as, it. And I think Naomi had helped in the past with that too. Or? Yeah,
1: she did a few times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So, well, why don't, why don't we do this, um, maybe share a couple ways that people could be praying for you and for the ministry there. And I know that um, you can probably send me some links uh, with information mm-hmm. about the, the project to to uh, purchase a facility for the Women's Center, and we can put that up on the show notes for this podcast. But what are a couple of ways that uh, we could be praying for you in the ministry?
1: Um. Definitely be praying for our unsaved clients who are studying the Bible with us, uh, for their salvation and for wisdom for their counselors as they work with them. Uh, for our director of the post-abortion ministry, Ira Lupanova, she's a NAV Ukrainian director, that, um, and for the director of the Women's Center, mm-hmm. uh, Luba Abramova. Um, okay. she became the she's been my assistant director since the beginning she became the director when I came home for furlough and just for them uh, wisdom in their as they guide the ministries that okay. they have and then um, I've transitioned into the position of executive director of Choose Life, Okay. and uh, when I go back, one of my focuses will be helping to develop, I'll still be involved in the Women's Center, but also helping to develop uh, outreach to the youth. We'd really like to get a program that we could take to schools and universities mm. to to reach out to youth before they end up with a crisis pregnancy in our center, so I um, could also pray for the development of that aspect of the ministry.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and then... And then for the finances for our own place, we're definitely continuing to pray for God's provision for that.
0: Okay, I will. Uh, I'll write those up and put those in the show notes for for this episode Good. as well. So, well, thank you for talking with us, Holly. Uh, enjoyed it, and uh, we um, always enjoy uh, being able to work with you in Ukraine. Uh, and even though we're both in in the states right now, but that's that's only <laughs> yeah. temporary, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Well soon be back.
0: (laughs) All right, Holly. Thank you. Thank you so much. All
1: right. Thank you.